Welcome to the Voice of Truth radio show and uh, your host, Senator Mike Azinger, also my uh, sidekick, <laughs> Pastor <laughs> Brian Leverson. I've a sidekick. <laughs> you are today. <laughs> All right, yes. we welcome you. Uh, we got a senator and a pastor, so this is going to be... Sounds like uh, the beginning of a really good joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a senator or a pastor uh, started a radio show. Um, so today we're going to be, uh, it's going to be your experience of the fusion of church and state. You're the church on the state. Man, the fusion that's of good. So Because we don't believe in the separation of church right. and state the way the liberals talk about it. Yeah. We believe that the church and uh, biblical truth undergirds a culture, a, a culture. So we're going to be talking about culture current events, and uh, uh, from a biblical perspective. So you're listening to 103.9 Praise FM WNRJ. Welcome to, as I said, the Voice of Truth radio show, Mike Azinger and uh, Pastor Brian Leversey. So it's been a few weeks since we've been uh, been on the air. Boy, a lot's happened, hasn't it? Has COVID had anything to do with that? <laughs> Have you heard what? of COVID? I, I, COVID's is, I'm learning is, about it as we... <laughs> As we move forward, I read a story about it the other day. Something about a pandemic. And, yeah, uh, I, I guess, it, I guess it's going on right now. Word is <laughs> spreading on it. Yep. <laughs> no pun intended. No pun intended. Absolutely right. So, uh, we're gonna we're gonna uh, have about an hour here of, uh, and and once we get past this pandemic, and and uh, I, I've had a few. Folks sick at my house. I know your your father in law, your mother in law. Yeah, my mother in law was in the hospital and for a little okay bit. She's okay now. Yeah, and folks from church, you know, have been dealing with it and struggling folks, with yes. it. You know, I mean, it's something where obviously you embrace the fact that there's this virus that's going on out there, and I can't do enough but to just tip my hat to the good healthcare workers and people who have taken care of yeah. folks from our church and and family members who've been ill and have just done an incredible job getting them the the therapies and treatments and stuff to bring them through this. And, right. and of course, we can't discount the power of prayer either. You know, yes. I mean, uh, lifting these folks up in prayer. I think times like this teach us how much we rely on God. Mm-hmm. You know, a little microbe that you can't see with the naked eye yes. can cause a lot of frustration and, and difficulty in your life. But uh, we still have a great and mighty God we can call out to and, and put our faith and trust in. That's and, for sure. And uh, he doesn't change. He's he not worried change. about pandemic. Absolutely. He's Lord uh, of any pandemic. That's so, right. And uh, Pastor Leversey's pastors at Fellowship Baptist Church. Uh, but and you're new. You 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 were welcomed by, I, by the pandemic. I don't feel new anymore. <laughs> you're not. You, you started in, in January of this year, yeah. and here you are. Um, you probably feel like you've you've aged twenty years. Since <laughs> Have you ever you've been seen here. those pictures of when? So yes. he goes into office or something, and then, you know, eight years later, ten years later, yeah. you know, yeah. that you can't even recognize him anymore. I, I don't think I look like my pictures a year ago right I now. I think you're exaggerating. You look, you, look, you look great. You've been here, uh, so you came in January, to almost, or you're pushing a year. Yeah. It's really hard to believe it is because of, of, uh, because of the pandemic yep. and ha- how little um, 
the last three or four weeks, our family's watched online yeah. because yeah. of uh, COVID in well, our house. Well, this is the thing. I mean, think about this. Uh, we got here the first part of the year, got to know some people. It was wonderful. You know, the church was coming together uh, on a regular basis, as we always had. <laughs> and then we go into, I'm preaching you know, to a bunch of cars in a parking lot. <laughs> yes, you and, did. And, right. and then, I mean, if you take, you know, if you take the journey here throughout the year, I'll tell you what, I, I think God is just prepping us preachers to be able to preach in any environment environment possible. You know, yeah. I can, well, I can the, preach to a congregation, I can preach saying? to a parking lot, I can <laughs> preach to a, a video camera, and now I'm on the radio. And I, you That's know, right. So. And so who knows, who knows what the future is going to bring. And we're, yeah. we're going to start talking about, uh, we're not going to talk a lot about current events today. But current current events is going to be a central part of the show. Yes, and uh, because because uh, we we need a, a biblical perspective on everything going on, not just in the past. We're gonna we're gonna talk a lot about our our history today, but we need a biblical perspective on what's going on today. Mm. Yes. What's God have to say about what's going on with the pandemic? Is it happening mm. in in the in the abstract in a in a vacuum? No. It, it has a purpose, mm. and God is Lord of the harvest. He's Lord of everything, like you yeah. just said. So, so we'll start. Uh, we'll start with that uh, next week. But we just passed a a great uh, event in American history, Thanksgiving, just mm. a few weeks ago. And our plan was before I had uh, uh, COVID visit our house, uh, and we had to cancel our our sessions here. But we were going to talk about Thanksgiving. Prior to Thanksgiving, which mm. was, I think, and what a great topic for any time or any season as well. You know, Thanksgiving isn't bound to a day. We like to celebrate it on a day, but it's something that I think should be at the forefront of all of our conversations as believers, especially. You know, we're supposed to give thanks for all things in in all ways concerning what God does in our lives. So. And I, yeah, and and thank and a nation should be thankful. Individuals mm. should be thankful. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I think, uh, being thankful is something that. That we've we've lost to a large part in in our country, but um, let me just give you a a quote from President Lincoln. He said, "No human counsel hath devised, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the precious gift of the Most High." President Lincoln went on to set apart the last Thursday of November as quote a day of thanksgiving and praise. To our beneficent Father, so we don't thank mm. people. We don't give thanks in the abstract, in a vacuum, right? A lot of people say, "Oh, I'm so thankful." Mm. To whom are you thankful? To be thankful, somebody has to receive that thanks, mm. right? And I think for most of the time uh, in our culture today, it's the things that we have that receive our thanks. We've we've misplaced our thanksgiving. You know, mm. we're thankful because I have a car, or we're thankful because I have a house, or we're thankful yes. because I have a career. Mm. But they can't really accept our praise. They, they, they can't. can't. They, you That's know, right. you could say, "Oh, I'm thankful for your car," and and tomorrow the battery goes dead. <laughs> you know, so it's like, "Oh, you're welcome." You know, <laughs> there, there, there's no way there can be a relationship of thanksgiving with a thing, and yet we've misplaced our thanksgiving toward things instead of to the one, right? And so it's remarkable that not too long ago in our history. We had presidents that didn't leverage an idea like Thanksgiving for political value. Oh, I can quote some verse and and quote it poorly because I don't really know it so that I can try to reach a group of people who might vote for me. No, this was coming from a heart of realization that there are things that are going on here 
that I could not have contrived as a politician. There are things that are going on here, blessings that we're receiving that we could not have contrived by passing laws or promoting restrictions or forcing people into mm-hmm. a certain situation. These things are, are the outcroppings of, of God blessing us as a nation. And so I'm not just thankful for these things, and I'm not just trying to leverage some kind of political situation by, by saying we need to be thankful. He was truly recognizing the benefits of our great creator. And, and that's what really I think we need to point to when we see that quote, when we see that point in history, when we observe our Thanksgiving process is, wh- where is our Thanksgiving directed? Well, President Lincoln made that known in that statement. It's directed toward God. Toward God. And just to finish the quote, because it, it gets, uh, it's, it's a really good, but he says, uh, a day of Thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. So mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of controversy. Is was Lincoln a Christian or not? I think that I think that uh, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. Mm-hmm. And Lincoln talked a lot about God. Mm-hmm. You know, the Gettysburg Address and so on. And and that was that was the culture of mm-hmm. the day. We we are a Christian nation. We started mm-hmm. a Christian nation. Um, let me just go into a little bit of the establishment of Thanksgiving to prove that further, but I'm reading from an article by Stephen McDowell, who's a Christian historian. He said, while President Lincoln established America's official Thanksgiving holiday in 1863, it was the pilgrims, the pilgrims, who first celebrated a day of Thanksgiving in this land in 1621. Hmm. So the pilgr- uh, shortly after they, they got here— um, uh, seven years after they got here, they were still here. They mm. were thankful for that because that first winter they they lost about half the population, mm. and they're still here. And so they're they're prospering. They have food, and and God's blessing them. So they're going to they're going to have a feast. They're going to invite the Indians, and and and, and worship and thank God mm. together uh, on a day of feast. Yeah, and and I think it's important that we attach the reasoning of why that happened. These pilgrims that came across weren't like maybe in history as we, we research out explorers. You know, explorers were were traversing the trail. They wanted to plant their flag. They wanted to name their city after themselves. This was about, you know, empirical expansion. The The pilgrims were were really fleeing religious oppression and coming to settle uh, a people group that wanted to express themselves freely in their religious pursuit of God. Mm. And so that's why one of their their priorities was this area of thanksgiving. You know, we, we don't see people who accomplish something wanting to thank God in, in secular terms. We see them pounding them, their chest, planting their flag. Look what I've accomplished. Right. We're number one. Yeah. The pilgrims had a different mindset. And so the development of this thanksgiving you know, flows from that understanding. Now, this is about our pursuit of God. When you're trying to pursue pursue the heart of God, mm-hmm. whether as an individual or as a nation, when you're trying to pursue the heart of God, you can't help but have thanksgiving flow from your life because you really attribute all your success, you attribute all of your achievement to God's will in your life, not not to your own personal accomplishments. Amen. And your point about these, the, the first permanent... English-speaking colony was Jamestown, 1607. Mm-hmm. There was there was a colony before that. In, I'm sitting here trying to think. I can't think of the name, but uh, uh, it'll come to me. But there was a colony before that that came and 
was wiped out, just disappeared. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only clue they had was a carving on the tree, CR. Was that Roanoke? Roanoke, thank yeah. you. So Roanoke was a, a uh, an endeavor for economic purposes. Mm-hmm. Not that that's bad, but it didn't include a godly endeavor. When when the men of Jamestown, there was 150 of them, including uh, well, uh, they brought the, the preacher with them, and they landed at Jamestown. They planted a cross on in the beaches of Cape Henry. They, they, uh, they had prayer, and Jamestown survived. Hmm. It was an endeavor for godly purposes. Hmm. The pilgrims came, and we're going to get into this. I'm, try, I'm looking at the time here. Uh, We've got 12 minutes? Okay. I think we're into it 12 minutes. <laughs> we're into it 12 minutes. Okay, so we got. Uh, so we're going to get into, um, we're going to flow into the uh, uh the Mayflower Compact. So, the 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 pilgrims who came, they didn't come for, they didn't come for economic reasons either. Hmm. They say why they came in the in the Mayflower Compact, um, and so let's just go ahead and flow flow yeah. uh, uh, transition into the Mayflower Compact because this is a fascinating, fascinating document. So we just had right before Thanksgiving, uh, Pastor. We just had the 400th anniversary of the signing of the Mayflower hmm. Compact on November 11th. So we know that— the, Imagine you were there for that. I was there. <laughs> I, I was invited. I was humbled. I thought, I better I should go. And now you're reporting on it for— Bought a new later. suit for it. I'm reporting. <laughs> so November 11th, 400th anniversary, signing of the Mayflower Compact. So these pilgrims come over on the Mayflower— and before they even get off the boat and embark onto the land and start building their little colony, they, they write up this, this compact. And in this compact, which was a covenant between them and God, these mm-hmm. people, it wasn't just, okay, we're going to write out, you know. And each other for accountability purposes. And each other, the, the, sure, you know. definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. So uh, they, said, they said, first, why did we come? Why did we come to America? Mm-hmm. Did it, did we come to uh, to you know uh, make a lot of money off this new land that really nobody owns and nobody it's it's brand new and we're just, we're just going to come and make a bunch of money off of it? Here's what they said: They said the reason they come. This is from the Mayflower Compact. The reason we came is for the glory of God, hmm. for the glory of God, Pastor, and the advancement of the Christian faith. Hmm. That's why they came. And what a purpose statement. You know, isn't it, isn't it amazing that your purpose is as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Yes. You know, and when we align our purposes with the glory of God, all of the other things kind of fade into the background. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we trust that God is going to provide for our needs. That's a thankful spirit. Not that I have to scratch and claw and, and do whatever it takes, whether it's ethical or unethical, to provide for my needs mm-hmm. when we truly believe God is. So here we have this godly purpose governing a godly people yeah. to establish a godly situation in pursuit of—and that, that leads to thanksgiving. That leads to a heart that says, this is about God, not about me. Yeah, and, th- and that's, that's our heritage. Mm-hmm. That's our history. That's where we came from. <clears throat> Why is America— the greatest nation in the world. It's because God was God was in our beginning, and mm-hmm. we've not neglected God until 
the last 50 years really in a in a, a forceful way but but another another document you know if you if you look into the founding documents those are the uh, the constitutions and the the uh, different confederations like here's the New England Confederation of 1643 so this is this is uh, just a 20 some years after uh, uh, the uh, well, I lose here. I lost my place here. But anyway, this is early in the Republic. This is not long after the Pilgrims came. Not long after Jamestown. This is the New New England Confederation. This was uh, a confederation, loose confederation of just a few states because it was early. There weren't mm-hmm. that many colonies yet: Massachusetts, Connecticut, New Haven, Plymouth, and they said in this confederation. Whereas we all came into these parts of America with one and the same end and aim, namely this, to advance the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ and to enjoy the liberties of the gospel in purity and Mm -hmm. peace. So their aim was to bring the gospel to these new, who was there, the Indians. Mm -hmm. They were there to proselytize, that's a bad word nowadays, but to give the gospel so that Mm -hmm. these Indians would be saved, and many, many were. I wish some church's mission statements were that clear, (laughs) (laughs) to be honest with you. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's that's right, but they were, they were, uh, and by the way, these, these compacts and, uh, and confederations, they were, they were, they were uh, patterned after Mm -hmm. the Puritan churches that they came from, in in uh, Europe, in Great Britain, and and uh, these other these and, other places, and throughout history, where you have nations that look to God, you, you find that their their laws and their compacts and their constitutions and their documents are, are really built upon the relationship that they've had with Scripture. You know what they've known. Where, where it's derived from the flow of their walk with the Lord, and uh, and to detach now from this heritage that we have. We wonder, why are we in the mess we're in? Why, why do people not know what the purpose of our nation is? Why, why yeah. do we have globalization creeping in and the, the eroding of American values? Why, why do we despise the idea of America first? And it's because, because we've forgotten our roots. We've forgotten that we had a very clear point of view when it came to the formation of our country right. and the very clear understanding of what we were trying to form as a people. And it was all bound to the Word of God. It was. Um, it was a political covenant, too. You know, everything's polit- – political is a bad word nowadays. Politicians is a bad word nowadays. I, I am one. I, I understand. People are very, very cynical about politicians and about politics, about government. And it's because of uh, we've become a relativistic nation. We'll get, we're going to get into that a little bit later, too, Pastor. But, um, I, but, but the, the Mayflower Compact – it was a compact, also, it was a, a political charter of sorts. Um, so, on, on, uh, on the Mayflower, they said, this is from uh, the, the Mayflower Compact, we do solemnly and mutually in the presence of God and one another, like you said, a compact, it's like a, it's like, it's like a marriage, a marriage is between a man and a mm-hmm. woman, but, a cov- but with, it's a covenant if God's involved, right? Mm-hmm. So, a covenant between each other, uh, the members on the ship, these pilgrims, but they said, "Look, we want God involved yep. in this." They were very; these were these were spiritual, saintly, godly people, uh, and it, they said, "We do solemnly and mutually, in the presence of God and one another, 
covenant and combine ourselves together into a civil body politic. Hmm. Part of the Mayflower Compact was uh, a lot of the, the a lot of the, May, the, the the Mayflower Compact was not just look. This is why we're here, glory of God, and to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we're going to form a body politic. We're going to have. Uh, we're going to. Uh, express in this document how we're going to govern ourselves Mm -hmm. because you have to govern uh, we have to govern ourselves we understand that and they understood that so how are we going to do it well that's what they that's what they explained in the uh, in the mayflower compact Hmm. and you know it's interesting that they didn't rely on their own um you know experiences or feelings or hey i'm going to pull you and pull you and pull you they had direct principles that came from God's Word about how people are supposed to treat people, Mm. how individuals are supposed to act and behave in honesty and integrity, how um, groups are supposed to be formulated to make sure that people are held accountable for certain actions. All of the things, the laws, the structure, this body politic that they put into place didn't derive from their own hearts. They knew that their hearts were deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. So they didn't turn to their own heart. They turned to the Word of God. And the Word of God speaks to all of this. The Word of God speaks to how we develop laws. The Word of God speaks to how we treat each other and how we live amongst each other. So, So they were not flying blind. They had the best template of all, the Word of God. The Word of God. That's where the great law is. And we talked about this last time we were on, but, uh, but uh, God gave the law to the Israelites. And the countries around Israel at the time said, what a great country that, that is because of that great law mm-hmm. they have. It's and it wasn't just... that great leader, right? Because all the leaders—I mean, look at, look at Israel. I yeah, mean, you can yeah. name king after king after king yes. after king. And it wasn't about the kings. I mean, there were some faithful kings. But they were only accounted faithful because of how they followed the word of God, right? Yes. And so, so the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The law of the Lord, the testimonies that? of the Lord, you know. D- David wrote David that, wrote didn't that. He? And, and he was king. And he was, he probably, was king. Yeah. And he was probably the most uh, faithful to the scripture of mm-hmm. all the kings. Maybe Josiah would be. Yeah, a, a, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but David, what a great king. He, I just read about him the other day. Uh, uh, this is why I know this, but uh, uh, he, he started— ruling when he's 30, and he ended when he was 70. That's a 40-year reign. Mm-hmm. Um, so he probably didn't believe in term limits. I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking yeah. he said, no, no, we're not doing that. I'm good here. You're, we're cool. Yeah. But he was a great king uh, to, the, to the very end. God called him a man after his own heart. Mm-hmm. But he was faithful to the law uh, uh, that, that God gave him. So the, pilgrim, the pilgrims were the same. So in 1623, reading from Stephen McDowell here, the pilgrims instituted some, some um, uh, principles here that you'll be familiar with, that our listeners will know. One of them, trial by jury. Another, private property rights. Uh, that principle runs throughout, throughout Scripture. The first thing God did when, they, when the Israelites went into the promised land and said, okay, you, this tribe, you get this part, mm-hmm. you get this part, you get this part. Uh, they, they had their own homes, right? They owned their own, they owned property. Um, so then in 1636, the pilgrims compiled the first comprehensive body of law in North America. Um, 
So the laws were based on Scripture. And you know what else they were based on, Pastor? And this is the book I, I just finished reading. Um, it's called Blackstone. And we talked the other day. How, how are we doing on time? So uh, I'll, do, I'll be quick here. We'll, we'll carry this into the next segment. But we got to cut out for a break here in about a minute and a half. But, but uh, uh, the book I have is uh, uh, Blackstone. William Blackstone. He was he was a Brit. He was a, a uh, an attorney, and he wrote the commentaries on uh, on the common law of England. So, what is the common law? You hear about common law is a number of things, but one of the things that it, it's it's the it's the decisions that are made from the, from the court, hmm. not legislative law, but from the from the court, and the common law is. In England, that that Blackstone wrote about in his commentaries was the common law given and based on the natural rights mm. that God uh, describes in Scripture. Mm-hmm. That's the law that our nation was founded on. Mm. That's how our lawyers, in the beginning, this changed later, but in the beginning, our uh, our attorneys— our lawyers learned. Look, we, we wouldn't be having this chaos right now with all these judicial decisions, with these elections that are nuts. We wouldn't be having those the, the problems we have right now if our if our lawyers were still trained on Blackstone's common law, hmm. because it's rooted in the natural rights of man given in Scripture, mm-hmm. uh, like Romans Romans chapter one and so on. Absolutely, and and I think that. That's the beauty and the genius of the formulation of our country is that it came from the genius of Scripture. Yes. That's the reason why it sustained some 230-odd years. You know, the longer I—and we're going to cut out here in just a sec, and we'll be back in just a minute. But the longer I read Scripture, Pastor, the more amazed I am by it. The mm. more amazed I am by Amen. it. So uh, you're listening to the Voice of Truth radio show, Senator Mike Azinger, and uh, got my sidekick, my friend along with me, Pastor Brian Leversey, pastor of Fellowship Baptist Church. You're listening to also 103.9 WNRJ. We'll be back right after this. Hi, this is Brian Leversey, Senior Pastor here at Fellowship Baptist Church, and I would love to invite you to come and worship with us. Our services are Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., and then again in the evening at 6 p.m. We have our Sunday school programs at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 p.m. Exciting things are happening at Fellowship Baptist, and I would love to see you there. God bless. Welcome back to Voice of Truth Radio Show. This is Mike Azinger, State Senator in West Virginia, with Pastor Brian Leversey. And uh, we're just excited to be bringing this show uh, on a weekly basis at some point. We're trying. (laughs) Exactly. It's been been a few weeks since we've been able to do it, just simply because of COVID, right? Yeah, absolutely. And basically, mostly my, my house. And um, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the blame for, for the COVID problem. <laughs> hey, I'm the sidekick, so you can always blame me if you want to. There's always something you could come up with that I'm. I'm telling you, you know, uh, I just just a lot of people have been have been getting it, and uh, it's it's what happens. You know, you can't. Well, it's a virus. You it's know, a virus, a virus right. is going to go around, and we can we can hide from it. You know, as long as we want to. And and I get that that there's some 
confidence, I guess, in some treatments and vaccines and whatever that are coming down the road. But uh, at the same time, you know, you have to evaluate, all right, there's a virus going through. It's going to affect, you know, some people a whole lot worse than it will others. And uh, what am I going to do in my life to make sure that my business can stay open and I can worship my God and I can tell people about Jesus and I can trust him? I mean, you know, the Bible tells us very clearly that he's not given us the spirit of fear. He's given us the spirit of uh, love and truth and a sound mind. Mm -hmm. And and the whole idea is, is if fear is the only thing that is dictating our decision-making process, I believe we're out of the will of God. Mm. I don't think God doesn't want us to be cautious and he doesn't want us to use, you know, good common sense. I wash my hands a lot right now, <laughs> you know? yeah. but, but at the sure. same time, I, I'm not going to disengage from all the callings of God in my life because, because I'm afraid of what this virus can do to me. Mm. Um, I'm going to engage as the Holy Spirit leads. And I, I think that this is, you know, a place where there's room for, um, the liberty of the Holy Spirit of God to work in each of our hearts, you know, a- about what we need to be doing and, and what we need to be cautious of. But I don't think there's ever room for fear to dictate our actions and our behavior. Mm. Is it safe so. to say the only fear we should have is the fear of God? Would that be a scriptural yeah, that's a healthy, thought? It's a healthy fear to have. Um, yeah. You know, because of course we we all get, we all have fear of something at some point, mm-hmm. and. Uh, um, but but we're not supposed to. Well, I think right? just as we were talking, I think people are afraid to die. People, yeah, we were talking about this you before know, we came on there. Somebody said that to my wife, and my wife was just profoundly struck by that. They were talking about the the COVID situation, mm-hmm. and and uh, people people are 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 you know afraid to die. It's a mm-hmm. natural fear yeah. we all have. Mm-hmm. If you have Jesus Christ, then you don't have to be you know the sting of death. Uh, is removed yeah. by by Jesus Christ on the cross. Right. So we shouldn't have that fear as Christians. Yeah. But of course, fear is a is a, or a, a death is is um, uh, brings anxiety it to, does. to anybody. Right. And, and I don't think we ever want to find ourselves in a position where we're careless. Um, and by careless, I don't even just mean reckless, but I mean that we're not caring for others either. I don't think we should ever be in a, a position where we're careless. Right. But we we can't be in a position where fear is a dictator in our life either. Yeah. Because really, that's a form of carelessness. When I matter the most to myself, and I want to keep myself safe, and I want to keep myself so safe that I'm no longer impacting others for Jesus. I'm no longer sharing my life with other people. I'm no longer yeah. sharing the gospel. I'm no longer worshiping with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm no longer doing any of these things. Well, that's a form of carelessness, too, because we're being very careless with our spiritual growth. We're being very careless with the fact that it's only about me and how I can keep myself safe. I'm not really ministering to anybody else during this time. So we've got to be real careful. You know, I, I'm telling like our church family, hey, there are some people that need to stay home right now. They need to to be protected. They need to be be cautious. Mm-hmm. But if you are going to be away, don't disconnect. You know, call call people up. Pray with them. Be active in, in, in viewing the services online. Be active in supporting missionaries and giving to the ministry. Be active in all these ways that God has still called us to be active, even if for a moment you're being a little bit more cautious. But don't ever be so fearful that you pull yourself out of life, you know, yes. for, for the totality. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and, and don't, and I'll, I'll transition after this, but, you know, I, it 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 has a, a leper like quality to it in that people once you <laughs> yeah. get it people people treat you differently. You know, I've had several people say to me, "Ah oh, man, I got that thing, and nobody talks to me now." And it's like uh, you know, 
Send them to the leper colony. Well, how about loving them anyway? That's from right. a distance, you can still That's you can right. still love. Them. So let's uh, let's let's continue on. We're going to do a segment here um, on Christianity and the Constitution. We're going to do some more history. That's kind of my thing. And uh, uh, Pastor Leversey. Uh, gets to uh, kind of be dragged into it sometimes. But, <laughs> hey, but I love history, too. If you, if you could see the wonderful. studio here, I've got, like, tons of papers and books. Pastor has a, a big brain. That's all he's got. <laughs> with me. When you have a little brain, like, we, you have to bring lots of books and, uh, and, and papers to refer to. So um, there's a, a professor, uh, Pastor, named Dr. Don Lutz. He, do, he did a study, and he's written several books. And during the break, I was trying to— trying to find his book on Amazon, and I think my, my wife must have done something to my Amazon account so I wouldn't order the book, <laughs> because one of the keys to marriage is being able to find out how to buy books without your wife knowing it, and uh, if I could figure that one out. But uh, anyway, he's uh, he's a historian. He's written a number of books uh, on, the, on the founding era, 760 to 1805, roughly. So he did a 10-year research project of 15,000 political documents of this founding area, 1760 to 1805. So the most quoted sources of of these 15,000 documents from the founding era. So these are the sources of the documents that the founding the founding fathers are writing these documents, writing these uh these constitutions and and uh, 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 all these all these documents of the founding era. Who were the most quoted sources of these documents? Who were the most quoted, Pastor? I'm going to give these to you from Dr. Don Lutz's ten-year study, ten-year research study. The the I'll give you the top four because the rest are so small that it's just a bunch of a bunch of little ones, but. The fourth, coming in at number four, this is like family feud here. Right? <laughs> coming in at number four was John Locke. I'm, re- I'm reading a book right now on John Locke at 2.9%. 2.9% of the references in the founding documents were from John Locke. Uh, number three, William Blackstone. We talked about mm-hmm. him last session. Blackstone was a Bible-believing Christian. His mother was a Bible-believing Christian. He Grew up in England. He was part of the Parliament in England. He wrote Blackstone's commentaries, which are based on natural law or God's law, the laws of nature and nature's God. We know that phrase from from uh, uh, the uh, the Declaration of Independence: mm-hmm. laws of nature, nature's God. What, what's that mean? It means it it means you define it how they used it during the founding area era. It means. Uh, the laws of nature are conscience and creation. The laws of nature's God is Scripture. Yeah, that's what it is. All right, number two, Montesquieu at eight point three percent, the most quoted, number one pastor, the most referenced uh, uh, source of the founding fathers was by far the Bible hmm. at thirty four percent. Yeah, and you know that's not shocking because. By far, you can see that spilling out of the original documents onto even the edifices that are built at our nation's capital. Mm. You've got scripture after scripture inscribed on monuments. You've got scripture after scripture inscribed on buildings. You've got scripture after scripture inscribed. You've got, in God we trust, 
on our money. <laughs> right. So, that's so, right. So this has spilled out. See, that's why it's so important that these documents were based upon Scripture is because this is the lifeblood of our nation. This is how we function. This is how we view our purpose as a nation. This is how we we treat each other and formulate laws and, and have a, 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 mor- a morality system as a nation. And, and all of that then spills over into, and it should, uh, if you've ever read any of Francis Schaeffer's books, yes. that should spill over into our art and should spill over into our entertainment mm. and should spill over into to really everything that defines culture, which culture is is a derivative of the word worship. And so what mm. we do, what we do as a culture finds its pinning point back to what we really believe. And the founding yes. fathers believed in the Word of God. Yes. That doesn't mean they were all born-again Bible-believing Christians, but they knew that Scripture was important because they believed in nature's God. And, you know, there are even examples throughout scriptural history of kings and leaders who might not have been redeemed, but they looked to God because of God's people, and they begin to govern on the basis point of understanding there is a God that is more powerful than the gods I worship. There is a God that's more real than the gods I say there is. And God even blessed some of those nations, even like during Daniel's time with Nebuchadnezzar and, and others that we can mention in Scripture. Yes. And, and the, American fly, uh, the American Revolution was birthed by uh, the Great Awakening. Mm-hmm. The Great Awakening taught the colonists uh, what uh, self-government was. Mm-hmm. Self-government is is rooted, must be rooted, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, or mm-hmm. it won't work. John Adams said that. Look, we have a constitution for you, but if the people are not virtuous, the constitution's not going to work. That's right. Well, hello, 2020. Yeah. You have a, a balkanization of our nation mm-hmm. breaking apart, these little fires breaking out all over the nation that are caused uh, by division, and this division is caused because we are no longer united be- behind the philosophy that we came from a, we, uh, a Christian foundation based on the Bible. That, yep. that is what we've always believed. Yep. Until 1960, the 1960s, 62 and 63, we said, okay, you know what? Let's take the Bible out of the classroom. Let's take prayer out of the classroom. Let's begin to take Let's begin to take the Bible, the Ten Commandments, out of our culture. Mm-hmm. Get them out of the courthouses, uh, because we don't want people say, uh, seeing anything that says about not being able to lie, not being able to steal, not being able to cheat, not being able to commit adultery. Mm-hmm. We don't want people to have uh, the Lord God as their God. That's mm-hmm. the first one, right? Thou shalt not have. Know the gods before me. If we would have never left that one commandment, Pastor, our nation would be healthy, strong, and Christian. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you can, it's funny that you can pinpoint it back to that time in history. I mean, it's just, it's just like a button got pushed. You know, you remove God from the schools, Mm. you remove prayer from the schools, you remove the Ten Commandments from being the foundation of our moral compass as a nation, and you push that button and you see the chaos that's ensued since that point. You see uh, premarital sex numbers going up. You see abortion you know, being legalized and going up. You yes. see uh, the home starting to disintegrate with divorce rates and, and all this going up. You see violent crime go through the roof. Mm. You see all these things. Why? Because you've unhitched yourself from the, the, the moral compass that God gave us in his word that the founding fathers established our laws and our purpose from. When you pull up 
from the anchor of of uh, biblical truth, a biblical worldview, a biblical center. When you pull your anchor up from that, you're going to drift hmm. wherever. That's right. Wherever. And, and that's a good word. You're going to drift. Yes. Because the people that are I in power— I thought you were say wherever. I thought wherever <laughs> that's was That's a good word, word, wherever. <laughs> <laughs> but drifting is exactly what we're doing as a nation. You know, we're drifting between political parties. We're drifting between experiences. We're drifting between— uh, chaos that ensues. Mm. We're we're drifting between lawlessness and lawfulness, and you're just in this area where people don't even know what right and wrong is, and we have no one to blame but ourselves because we left the whole basis for right and wrong in the dust, yes. thinking that we were making progress. We're progressive. We're making progress. Mm. We don't need God anymore. We don't need His Word anymore. Yes. We don't need those antiquated churches anymore. We don't need, you know, pastors in the pulpit preaching against sin anymore. That's all old-time stuff. We need progress. And so what does progress mean? We leave exactly what we do need behind, which is the Word of God, <laughs> and we start following our own heart. Well, I don't know about you, Mike, but my heart <laughs> might feel different things than your heart. It might, it might. Right? right? Yeah. So if if we we leave, we leave absolute truth based on what God says, hmm. and then we'll have uh, we'll have relative truth, mm-hmm. and we have uh, my truth. You'll have your truth. We'll all do that which was right in our own eyes, and um, uh, we'll do. I was just reading an article this this week, Pastor, about the term uh, political correctness. Political correctness came from the Soviet Union, Soviet communism. Mm. And it came from, uh, if somebody would happen to say the truth, they would say, well, that might be true, but that's not politically true. Mm. That might be correct, but that's not politically correct, okay? That's not what you say. Yeah, you you don't say the truth. You say what's politically correct. So, uh, I, I used to say in my Sunday school class, political correctness uh, has taught us uh, it it has it has lied to us mm-hmm. about what truth is. It's taught us to be offended by truth. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so uh, we, we've we've got a whole culture that when they hear truth, now they get offended. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're we're offended by truth because we we have been taught that truth is offensive, mm-hmm. and it's not. So uh, we are out of time here for this segment. We're gonna we're gonna be back, wrap it up, just uh, uh, talk about a little bit more about what we've been talking about these last couple segments. But uh, you're listening to the Voice of Truth Radio Show with Mike Azinger, Pastor Brian Leversey, in the studio with you, one hundred three point nine WNRJ. We'll be back. Right after this. Hi, this is Brian Leversey, Senior Pastor here at Fellowship Baptist Church, and I would love to invite you to come and worship with us. Our services are Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., and then again in the evening at 6 p.m. We have our Sunday school programs at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 p.m. Exciting things are happening at Fellowship Baptist, and I would love to see you there. God bless. All right, welcome back to the Voice of Truth radio show. Mike Azinger, state senator here in uh, in the area, and got uh, Pastor Brian Leversey, Pastor of Fellowship Baptist Church, 
alongside. We're having a lot of fun. We just started this radio show recently, and um, we were one and done. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, no, did we, one, did we did one episode. Oh, we did two. We did two. I don't yeah. think Rush Limbaugh is shaking in his boots yet. <laughs> Not yet. But we're coming. But he, he better watch it in his rearview mirror. <laughs> I'm right. telling you, he can feel the. Vibration. You know that mirror on the side of the car that says "objects in your mirror" yeah, closer than they appear. <laughs> That's where we're at. That's where we are. <laughs> we're sneaking up. We're right on the outside lane there, buddy. <laughs> All right, so in the last seg- segment, I talked uh, a little bit about uh, Dr. Don Lutz's um, study that he did on the founding era, which uh, he defined as 1760 to 1805. So where did the sources of the founding documents come from? Um, they came from Locke, John Locke, and uh, William Blackstone, and Montesquieu. So these men, by the way, Pastor, these men that they source were— uh, Men of God, hmm. with a with a godly worldview. Blackstone, I, I meant to say this in the last session, but I just uh, read a good book on Blackstone that is not long. It doesn't have any pictures. I was hoping for pictures. <laughs> no, nope, no pictures. But it's, no uh, I can hear you, don't dots, say it. I know you're saying something. <laughs> so Blackstone uh, was a believer, and he wrote these commentaries on the common hmm. law. They sold as well in the new colonies as they did in Great Britain, where he's mm-hmm. from, where he was in Parliament, where he's well known. But the 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 uh, the colonists ate it up; they loved it. The colonists were readers, by the way. They mm-hmm. all had a Bible, and uh, they all had Blackstone's Common Law—not all of them, but many, many. So our our law was founded, as we've talked about before, on the Pentateuch, mm-hmm. the first first five books yep. of the Bible, the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. Yep. And that was inserted into the law of the original colonies, but it was also founded on Blackstone's common law. What is commonly right in a culture hmm. found, uh, based on what God says? So the Constitution, uh, so these things all led up to the Constitution. The Constitution happened 13 years after 1776, where we said, hey, look, look, King George, we're a new nation, like it or not. And he didn't like it, but uh, he had to lump it because we won, right? <laughs> so uh, there's a uh, reading again from Stephen McDowell article. A prestigious literary uh, literary literary journal reveals the reason why um, the Constitution is the most important document ever written outside the Bible. And it says the American government and Constitution is the most precious possession which the world holds or which the uh, the future can inherit. This is true, true because the American system is the political expression of Christian ideas. Hmm. And John Quincy Adams said the same thing. That's what what the Constitution is. The Declaration of Independence kind of set up the principles, Hmm. and the Constitution was the, uh, the logical... Progression of uh, of the Declaration of Independence. So it went into effect in 1789, and uh, uh, the, the 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 biblical roots of our country they were expressed in the Declaration of Independence. So what did it acknowledge? It acknowledged first of all in the Declaration of Independence, creator endowed rights. Mm. Our rights come from God, not from man, mm. not from government. Never, never. They come from God. Hmm. <clears throat> they embrace the laws of nature They embrace, uh, as the highest authority, the laws of nature, that's Scripture. Uh, they embrace God, the, God as the supreme judge of the world and express a, quote, firm reliance upon the protection of divine providence. And I, 
to me, it's just, it boggles my mind that we even have to, to tell people this, like it's the first time they hear it. Hmm. You know, a lot of people, they don't even realize that our constitution and the formulation of our laws and the formulation of our culture in America have sprung from the word of God. They just don't even realize that. In fact, there'd be probably many people that would sit here and debate either one of us they just will. off the street and say, there's no way yes. that this is good. There's no way this stuff came from God. There's no way that... And obviously it points to their ignorance of scripture, but it also points to their ignorance of how nations are formed. And they're either formed based upon the pagan desires of dictators or they're mm-hmm. formed based upon the desire to see the creator that's obvious in creation uh, who's expressed to us how we should live our lives. And so the idea that you and I are having this conversation and that we're airing it on the radio and that people might be hearing it and thinking to themselves, is this really where our constitution came from? Is this really where our laws came from? Shows how quickly we've become detached from the reality of who we are as American citizens. And there's no doubt about that being the case. And it's, it's not, it's not, the people's fault, per se. It's 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 the fault of our education system Absolutely. that does not teach scripture anymore, I, I, or history I, anymore. Uh, and I'm and second, our history anymore. Yeah, our Christian history. The American people are ignorant of our Christian history. Absolutely. And I put myself in that category until a few years ago. When I began to read, you know, to educate, it, it, it is myself. the most. It is the most destructive movement. You, you can talk about military. You can talk about disease. You can talk about um, war. You can talk about any movements against a nation. The most destructive movement historically against any nation is to detach that nation's principles and love from Creator God. It is the most single destructive thing that you can do. Hey, nations can survive wars and nations can survive pestilences. But but that's even why, um, even during the Cold War, even during the rise of communism over the globe, one of the the efforts of the Cold War was to bring a a agnostic or a a um, uh, anti God view to the United States through education Mm. over a number of generations to prime the pump for socialism and communism to set in. Now, now this is is verified. You can watch YouTube videos on this. You can grab onto ex-KGB agents that have been interviewed by prominent uh, reporters, and they'll tell you the game plan for spreading socialism and communism is to have an agnostic or a, a a atheistic viewpoint seep in to a culture because where God is removed, government can come in and take control. And that's why this was a protection. That's why these founding fathers knew that our documents had to be seated with the word of God, had to point people back to the word of God, had to point people back to the creator right. is they knew as soon as our nation was detached from the creator or scripture, it would be rife for things like communism and dictatorships and government to come in and sweepingly have control over the people. There is no doubt about that. You know, people ask, uh, are we a Christian nation? Were we born a Christian nation? And you hear different responses, even mm-hmm. from uh, some some people that 
our respects that say, well, we're not necessarily a Christian nation. We weren't necessarily born as a Christian. Uh, you know, the, the Bible doesn't say that everybody in the nation has to be a Christian for it to be a mm. Christian. You know what the Bible says? And this is a verse that I put on uh, all of my all of my campaign piece, campaign mm. pieces that I sent in the mail or sent put door to door. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Mm. How do you know, a pastor, if you're a Christian nation? Is God your Lord? Yeah. Is God your Lord? If God's your Lord, you're a Christian nation. Is is he in your documents? Is he in your is documents? Is he in your yes. founding laws? Yes. Is he in the beginning of the then yes, you're a Christian nation. Not everybody in the United States of America, sadly, is a born-again believer. Right. You know, it's our job as Christians, under the freedoms we have, right. to be able to share the good news of the gospel with them. And if, if I have this question to you, and, and you, might, you might have a, a different opinion than I on this, but I think that we were obviously born a, a, a Christian nation. The... the, the uh, Great Awakening swept through mm. the colonies, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, thousands and thousands of the colonists got saved. It was just a, a powerful movement, and we were our forefathers. There's a distinction between the founding fathers and the four, forefathers were the pilgrims, the ones that mm-hmm. came first. Okay, mm-hmm. then the founding fathers were the generation of the founding. Mm-hmm. Both of these were were uh, predominantly Christian cultures. So we were a Christian nation when we were born. So because of of uh, the verse that blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Now, is is uh, God our Lord now? Well, I think you have to ask, is God taught in our schools? Hmm. Is God part of our, of our uh, uh, court system? You know, something, Pastor, I was talking about William Blackstone and uh, his commentaries that were taught for the first 150 years in our country. But they were removed uh, early 20th century. They were removed purposefully by some, by some relativists, by some positivists, I think is what you call, but uh, that, that purposefully removed Blackstone's commentaries as, as the, the tool that was taught to our next generation of attorneys, of mm. lawyers. And what filled the gap? You know what filled the gap. Relativism yeah. filled the gap. And we have, we have a whole court system that is mostly governed by attorneys and judges who believe that they are the ones that are to make a decision on how to apply the law in a yeah. certain situation. What is right and wrong is determined by the judge mm-hmm. instead of the absolutes of the law mm-hmm. under God's well, let's nature. Let's take it a step further. We're not just seeing that in the courts. We're seeing that on the street now where people can go out and commit vandalism and hijack city blocks and yeah. paint whatever they want on it and tear mm-hmm. down statues and burn buildings, and there's nothing done about it because they're, they're, they're trying to, uh, to, to make their voice known. And, and yet... You can then bring the law against somebody who's meeting in church per their, their constitutional right to be able to worship God and have no law passed against that. And, and churches all over the country right now are being fined and their clo- doors are being mm-hmm. closed because people who want to go and express their own freedom of religion per our constitution, they're saying that's dangerous. And I think that is the horrible distress that we see in our country today is the relativism 
you, we're not abiding by the laws of our land. We're yeah. not sticking to the Constitution. It's confusing for people, and it's frustrating for people. Because how can you have masses of people hijacking whole cities for weeks on end without any repercussions, and yet somebody wants to exercise lawfully their right to worship, and they're fined and shut down and, and threatened with imprisonment? It is because— it's because the powers that be are deciding for themselves what the law should be. Yeah. So if, if uh, BLM or Antifa wants to riot and uh, uh, the powers that be say, well, the, that's okay because I agree with their philosophy, uh, philosophical system. But uh, the absolutes of the, of the law um, that was founded or uh, given to us by God in the Bible and per, uh, perpetuated by by men like Mike like uh, William Blackstone mm-hmm. is uh, has dissolved and, and we're seeing we're seeing chaos because of it, but uh, we we got to go. We're done here uh, for the day at uh, uh, Voice of Truth Radio Show. This is Senator Mike Azinger with uh, Pastor Brian Leversey. Sadly, we're out of time, Pastor. Thanks for joining me again. We'll do Absolutely. it again, uh, Lord willing, <laughs> Lord willing. And uh, we we say the creek don't rise, but Lord willing, and the pandemic don't rise. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We'll uh, we'll see you here next week. God bless you, folks. Have a great day. <laughs>